Welcome to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast, your one-stop shop for building client relationships, scaling your business, and ultimately growing your income. When you are looking for your next step in personal and financial growth, we've got you covered. With your host, number one international best-selling author and heart-centered sales expert, Connie Whitman. Welcome to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast on webtalkradio.net. Of course, I'm your Heart Centered Sales Leader and host, Connie Whitman. Thanks for joining us today. So on this journey of my mission or my movement that I am trying to create where that word sales, we need to eliminate it from that icky sleazy perspective and really create one of love, joy, and respect for our clients and for ourselves. So to help you on that mindset shift, I have a free gift. Go to my website and take my communication style assessment. It will show you your natural communication superpowers. It'll also tell you what or show you what your your lowest style or the style that's a little bit more difficult for you to communicate with. Real important information helps you navigate all of your sales conversations with a little bit more ease, respect, and coming from a place of fun. So WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA, my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote today is by Fred Wilson, and Fred says, Venture capital is about capturing the value between the startup phase and the public company phase. So each week as I sit and you know start to write my introduction for the podcast and reflect on just how lucky I am that I get to have amazing guests like my guests today so that we talk about all these different topics. Well, I'm going to be honest. Today, I am openly admitting that I am not an expert on our topic today of venture investing. And this is one of my favorite parts about hosting the show is I get to share thought leaders, right, and with, with businesses like you guys, um, while also helping, including me, to broaden our view of what's available for businesses around the world. So just what an exciting time to be a podcast host for me. Now, today, my guest is Steve Hoffman. Um, Steve has had more careers than Cats has lives from Hollywood TV exec and game designer to manga, manga, rewriter, voice actor, animator, electrical engineer. He studied head and video game designer. He just, he's the man of, he's, he's the Renaissance man for today. He's also the captain and CEO of Founder Space, one of the world's leading startup accelerators. Founder Space was ranked the number one incubator for overseas startups by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. And Steve is also a venture investor, founder of three ventured backed and two bootstrap startups, and author of several award winning books, including Make Elephant. Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. Please help me welcome the amazing Steve to the show. So, Steve, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic to be here, Con. Yeah, exciting. Okay, so seriously, Steve, this is so not my jam, so not my wheelhouse. I get real excited when I'm in a position of learning because I get to put the hat on of my listeners to say, if I don't know how many other people don't know. So I'm real excited about our conversations. I'm sure I'm going to ask some silly questions, but be kind. <laughs> Which I know you will be. He's a delight. I love silly questions. So fire away. You got it. All right. So my first question is, how do you take the investor or I'm sorry, how do you talk to the investor in a way that will get them to commit to a deal? So this is something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. They get so many and I was there. 
So the first time I tried to raise venture capital, I did three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley. The very first time took me over a year wow. to raise capital. Wow. And then my second time, I got it down to half a year. And the third time, I got it down to three months. Wow. So, yeah, and before I closed to Series A. So really, uh, closing venture capital is a challenge for most entrepreneurs, and they don't know how to do it. So what mo there's, a, there's a lot of myths out there, what people assume to be true and what's actually true. You know, everybody tells you, create an investor deck. So it's a PowerPoint, 15 slides, goes into everything about your business, you know, what, what product you have, who the customer is, the market size, all that stuff. And then they try to get a meeting with an investor. And usually when they meet with the investor, they walk them through the PowerPoint. Well, I tell entrepreneurs, don't do this. Like, don't go in because investors see a million PowerPoints and it gets tiring. And what an investor really wants more than anything is to have a conversation with you about your business, a two-way conversation. The problem with PowerPoints is they suddenly put you in a position where you are presenting to yeah. them. So it's a one-way conversation. Yeah. And if you really want to get somebody excited about your business, just presenting to them isn't the best way. Actually engaging with them in a deep conversation about what your business really is, getting their input and their ideas, that creates the momentum and the psych psychological shift in their brain where they become much more willing to close. Now, I can go, I can go further on this because there are a lot of different steps involved in the closing, in first of all, getting an investor to understand what you do, and then also the closing process. And they do want you to get deeper into it. So this is fascinating, right? So I'm always, because what's, what's the perspective I have? My life, my business, my career, right? That's, we always go back to our own reflection. So what you just said is just so critical, I think, in business period, um, Steve, and that engagement, we talk at each other instead of having a conversation with each other, which, oh, by the way, is so much more fun. I just want to share a really quick story, which I think people can resonate with on the business development side, as well as this getting a venture capital. So many years ago, I walked into a client, they were in Connecticut. So it's about three and a half hour ride for me. And I walk in and the CEO says to me, you don't have a PowerPoint. I'm very professional. You know this, Steve, about me. My response was, huh? <laughs> so I said, uh, I don't have a PowerPoint because I don't know what you need for me. I can do A to Z. What if you need L, M, and N? Um, by the time I get to C, you're checked out. You're bored. And he looked at me and he said, you know, we had four other vendors come in and they all had PowerPoints. And he looked at me and he tilted his head. And Steve, in that moment, I knew I thought I have the business. This is the craziest freaking thing that's ever happened to me. We sit down and I explain I had a packet, an agenda, I had questions. And then I wanted to have a dialogue so we could figure out, are we a good match for each other, let alone what you're trying to create, what I can do, right? And finding that synergy. So before I left, they didn't have my price sheet or anything, Steve. They signed, the CEO said, yes, yeah, sign her up. Do it, whatever she needs, you do, because she's exactly what we've been looking for. And on the drive home, I thought, they don't even know what my prices are, right? This is the coolest of, you know, thing that ever, has ever happened to me. But it was about engagement. And as he was leaving, and this is the cool thing, he turns back, says to me, hey, Con, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up, Mark? And he said, you see what you did with us? Can you teach my people to do that? 
engagement, right? That's what the clients are going to buy. That's what the clients are going to support. I think it kind of is the same thing, right? It's exactly the same thing. So what I'm telling you now to sell to venture capital is true of all sales. And it's true, especially when you do business development and really transformative large deals. This is the best way to go about it. Now, I tell people, make your PowerPoint, like make the PowerPoint so that you know the stuff. And there will be times when you will need the PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're pitching to a room full of people, like a, a group of people, then a PowerPoint is really useful. Because uh, it's very hard to have a conversation with <laughs> with a room full of people. Sure. It, so what you want to do is first show them your business and it's more a presentation and then you open it up to their questions. However, when you're sitting down one-on-one with an investor or even two investors and you, much better to have a dialogue in those cases. Love it. The other thing I like to tell entrepreneurs is there's different psychologies going in to meet investors. So one psychology a lot of people have is I got to sell them on my company. I have to sell them my vision. I have to, you know, get them to buy in to what I'm doing there. After all, they are going essentially it's a transaction. They're going to be buying the shares of this company. Yeah. So they go into sales mode, what they think is sales mode and sales mode. I tell you that's wrong. Like you are not trying, don't try to sell the investors on your company. Don't try to sell them your vision. What you really want to do when you engage investors is you want to find out if it's a good fit for them. And and you want them to understand your business. So it's about not selling, but helping them as quickly as possible to understand exactly what you're doing, what value you're offering, so that they can make the best decision for them. And if you have that attitude, like I'm not out here to to convince you to to give me your money. I'm out here to help you understand my business and see if it's the right opportunity for you. Then the the tone of the conversation is totally going to change. Like it's more about like, what do you want to know about my business? How can, you know, making sure you really understand the core of my business and what the value we're creating here and equally listening to them. Like what, what are you looking for? Because if they're ultimately not looking for what you have, Um, you know, you're better, you, you will have a better relationship with them than trying to force your business upon them to form a good relationship with them, have them understand. And then they're more likely to refer you to somebody who may investor who may be a good fit because they like you, you know, they're engaging. Maybe it's a lot of these investors, they, uh, are, they, their funds have a focus. And if you're outside their fund focus, they've already, uh, sold this focus to their investors, Absolutely. so their investor, so they have to stick with their focus. If you're outside their focus, it they can't deviate from that. So no matter how hard you try to push them into buying into your company, if it's outside their focus, it, it's not going to happen. But you can have a great relationship. You can also, and this is the big win. So a lot of invest, uh, entrepreneurs are like, well, I wasted my time. They didn't invest. Like I've talked to yet another investor, and I wasted my time. Well, you wasted your time because you were trying to sell them on what you have yes. and they didn't buy. So that's a waste. But if you had approached it, not to sell them, but I want to tap into their brain. Think of, think about it. These investors it. are super smart people. They didn't get to be, they, they're either angel investors and they've become rich, you know, so meaning they've run their own companies that, or done investment that's been very successful or on the venture capital side, they're on the boards of lots of startups. They're seeing everything that goes on. If you had to hire these people as a consultant 
you would pay them, you know, thousand dollars an hour or more to get there to tap into their brain. Yet they're sitting with you, yeah. you know, for an extended period of time, focused on your business. Are you going to squander this by simply trying to convince them to invest? The, a much better strategy is to uh, make it a learning opportunity for you. Make it a chance for them, like listen to them, like ask them questions. Yes. Don't just have them ask you. I mean, it's great if they're asking you questions, right? Because then they're, that means they're really engaged and you're focusing it on the areas that, that matter to them. And at the same time, when there's an opportunity, ask them like, what are your thoughts on this? You know, where would you go? Have you seen other companies sure. in, in a similar market? What do you think of my business model? Is that the best business model? You should have these questions that you really want to know about your business and you will learn so much. So like I said, if they don't end up investing, you haven't wasted your time. You've received a lot of valuable information and free consulting you didn't have to pay for at the end of that, that conversation. And, and it's perspective, right, Steve? That's, you know, to go in and oh, I wasted my time. I didn't make the sale versus, oh, my gosh, I got all this great information. I really like that guy. I think he liked me. And you're getting a call a month from now because he, angel investors or investors, right, talk to each other because they're sharing, hey, it's not not our, our focus, but I know this is your focus. Just like businesses talk to businesses, right? I, I, I always, I'm a Jersey person, right? I know you know this about me, Steve. So, and I tease because I always say to my, to my community, I got a guy. Please ask me because I vetted them. I trust them. I know they're not going to rip you off. I got a guy. It's the same thing, I would imagine. Isn't every industry actually kind of small, right? That's... Oh. There is the venture community in particular in yeah. Silicon Valley. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And they all talk about their deals. And they are all referring deals to each other. Of course. So Because honestly, they get so many pitches, they yeah. can't weed through them all. But if there's something uh, – so they're relying on each other as filters. And so – and they're helping each other. Like they're bringing each other into deals or referring deals that might not be right for their fund but is perfect for another Love fund. It happening all the time. So making these relationships and really uh, bonding with them, really important. Now, one thing I tell people, don't do that superficial bonding thing. Yeah. Don't, don't, a lot of people go into these meetings and they're trying, trying to find some commonality, like who do we know together? And they're throwing out a ton of names or, you know, what do we have in common? We both like, you know, outdoor sports or hiking. Those things, you can do that later if you're at dinner with them and like hanging out. But when you're in, a, when you when they invite you in to do a pitch, you know, bonding isn't just about like do you, do you know somebody yeah. in common or do you ha share the same interests. Bonding is about them seeing, understanding who you are, understanding why you're doing your business, understand you know having a really great intelligent conversation where they're learning something about your industry because you're the expert there and you're learning from them their perspective that you can and venture capitalists are busy right like you only get so much time with them you may get half an hour you may get 45 minutes maybe more but it's a limited amount of time sure and so what they want you have to be respectful of what they want they their time is valuable their most valuable thing and what they're doing is trying to figure out is this uh, worth putting more of my time into or is this something that I quickly want to pass on so so that I can go look at other deals because sure. the more deals they can go deep on the the fact the sure. more chance they're going to find that golden goose that lays the golden eggs that's what they're they're hunting for so you want to be if you're going to have a good if they're going to like you 
you're going to be very uh, respectful. You're not just going to bullshit. You're uh, about the weather or whatever. You're going to dive right into the business. Yeah. We, that's what they want to know. You're going to go deep, and through that conversation, you're you know they're going to see who you are, why you're doing this business. You know, you know, you know how you solve problems, and and that's enough. That's what. And then when they're done, you know, later. If they invite you out to dinner because they're interested and you're going, that's when you do the, all the other type of. Sure, <laughs> sure. Don't be, don't be. Um, see, that's the sleazy, right? I got to go in and be, and be charming. To be yourself, right? If you're yeah, not, not interested yeah. in how charming you are, <laughs> exactly. they're interested in how good at what have you d- figured out in this business? Yeah. How smart are you? Like, how capable are you? Yeah. Not can you charm them <laughs> or yeah. you have friends in common? Yeah. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, I, I love how. You said that really it's about engagement and it's a human being with a human. Can we collaborate and can we make money on this? No, and, and if they say, no, I pass, you can't take it personally, I would imagine. Right, Steve? You have to have a bit of a thick skin. Yeah. And what you learn is, you know, at the beginning, it's rejection is hard when you're first starting. to Sure. Sell. It was hard for me, too. Um, I was a terrible salesperson at first. Actually, I had to learn all this, which made me consciously think about all these things. Sure. Um, but you, uh, you have to understand that it's, it's not a rejection of you. That's right. It, it's only a rejection of you if you think that what they're buying is your personality, your charm, whatever. They're not buying that. They're looking uh, for somebody who has figured out a really amazing business and can execute on that. Yeah. And they, and it's, what they're judging is your business's ability to succeed and make money. So it's not, if you think it's about you, then you are only hurting yourself. You need to understand that my job is not to make myself look great. This has nothing to do with me. My job is to let them see what I'm doing. And if that's of value to them, then they will go after yeah. it. If it's a good fit for them, they'll go after it. And if it's not, they won't. I'll find somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. There's, there's plenty of um, opportunities out there. You just put your shine because you're going to get the introductions right the universe provides when you when you show up with an integrity and you show up with with clarity and all of those things the opportunities really do find you like you know magnets right finding each other i know you talk about the princess and the frog rule tell me i don't know what that is so can you explain that i will tell you so this is my philosophy, and I write about this in Surviving a Startup, I write about all this, like the psychology of investors, like we can go into that after. Sure. But let me tell you uh, one of my golden rules. And my golden rule is that my first startup where I tried to raise money, you know, when I engaged with investors, I would engage with them, they would see interested, but they were on the fence. Mm. So a lot of investors, they're on the fence. They just can't decide whether to invest or not, they have a lot of deals, right? And they're and, and so they keep you in this limbo area. And they keep asking, like I had one investor in my in the first venture funded startup I did before I'd raised any venture capital. He he was like the only one who's super interested. And he would call me up on a weekly basis and we would talk and he would ask for stuff. And every time he asked for something new, I think, oh, when I give that to him, he'll end up closing. That will be the thing that pushes him over the edge. It never ended. It went on for nine months. And at the end of nine months, he never invested. Oh. So it was brutal. And you can get this with large corporate sales. You sure. can get it with anything, right? Sure. It sure. seems like they're going to do it. And every and they always have something new. They always have a reason that you know they're not quite ready yet. So I have a rule. And the rule is that 
you, you want to maximize your chance of closing a deal. And honestly, for most deals, even very large deal investor deals, like investors, like if they like your company, they will decide quickly. Because if they really like your company, they are worried somebody else also really likes your company yes. and they'll step in and take the deal out from under them. Yes. So usually, and this is rules of thumb, they're just generalized, right? Sure. But on average, the first time you pitch an investor, the chance of closing is really low. The second time you pitch an investor, it goes up a little. They're still in the information gathering mode. The third time you meet with them and pitch an investor, that is where it starts to peak, the third and fourth time, you know, it really start to peak. And then after that, it starts to plummet, go back exponentially down. You know, by like the 10th time you're meeting with that same investor, I tell you, it's a really low chance that they're ever gonna close. The more meetings you have, the more information you give them beyond a certain point, the, you're, they're, not, they're not going to make a decision on it in a way they've decided not to decide. Wow. So the, the frog in the princess role is, you know, you wanna find your prince charming. And that one that that investor that will will carry you away and make all your dreams come true, but what you have is frogs. Every investor's a frog. <laughs> so you kiss this frog, and you kiss the frog, hoping that this frog will turn into Prince Charming. Well, my rule is kiss the frog three times. Your third meeting, and if the frog hasn't turned into Prince Charming after three kisses, it's just a frog. Move on. Get rid of that frog. That is not your Prince Charming. I love it that because we all know that story and that just makes so much sense um, because of decision making. I, I love how you said that because they they're looking at so many deals. They have to get really good at their decision making. Otherwise, opportunities could ri fight lucrative opportunities could be slipping through their fingers if they do the paralysis analysis. So that's funny. A frog is just a frog sometimes. Yes, for sure. And, and, and I liked there's other things. So my first venture funded startup, I finally got it closed. So I'll tell you a little story. The, the, you know, I, that one investor never panned out. I met a bunch of other investors. Um, one of them was a venture firm in LA who uh, made up of big Hollywood people, like, you know, heads of studios, all these wow. big Hollywood hotshots. Michael Milken was on the board, wow. you know, all these people. And I pitched them and they were like, we will do a deal with you. We'll give you the $5 million you need for your company. And I negotiated the whole deal with them, like literally, right, uh, the, the, the entire deal dotted every I, crossed every T, ran up $60,000 in legal bills. And they, uh, at the end, they looked, they, we had the contract done, I was like, okay, let's sign. You know what they said? They said, we wanna wait until your product launches. Like this is pre-launch, like I had got them to commit. They said, we wanna wait until your product launches. I was like, well, you know, you're giving me a lot of money. I understand. So we'll wait two months. So we waited two months. The product launched. It was successful, like I had told them it would be. Went back to them, and I was like, okay, you, you know we need the money. Like, we spent all the money we had. Like, we, we, had, we, we, we had gotten $350,000 from Viacom to build out this product, and now we wanted to, you know, take it to all the other TV studios. And we're like, give us the $5 million. You know, we're totally out of money. They said, okay. We'll give you the five million, but we want to do it at half the valuation we committed to earlier. Half the valuation. What had changed? We launched a successful product. We had done everything we said we would do. What had changed is they knew we were desperate for money. They uh, knew we. They don't call them vulture capitalists for nothing. Uh, so, 
they knew that we had, we had spent our money and we didn't have any other investors online. No other investors as backup. Like I thought it was a done deal. And I thought when the product launched, they would just give us the money like they promised. Now, I had a choice. We were either going to go off a cliff potentially because we had no money. Sure. And to make the matters worse, worse it was, you know, Thanksgiving, basically. It was, it was literally right before Thanksgiving. Then came Christmas. Literally after Thanksgiving, all the venture capitalists go home. They don't even come back into operation until, you know, mid-January at best. So there's like a, at least a six-week point before I can even engage new investors and get them started on the closing process. And I just spent months and months and months with this investor. I was like, we do, you know, what are we going to do? We have to take their money. But at the same time, they'd stab me in the back. I was like, do I want to be in bed with people like this? Yeah. Do I want them on my board of directors? Yeah. And you know what I said? No. We decided we don't. Screw you. We would rather, you know, do whatever fate has in store for us, has it in store for us. Yeah. We're walking. Right? So we said, screw you. We walked. Didn't take their money. Well, as soon as we – it felt really good to walk. But after we had walked out the door <laughs> – Oh my God! Like we're we done, boys. We can't pay our, you know, co-location facilities. We have no money, so we had to ask all our employees to work for free right at Christmas time. You know, literally. But you can't give up. Like you have to. Keep Absolutely. Going. So I managed over this six-week dead period to get a meeting with the president of a company called Macromedia, which is now Adobe. So this was the precursor to Adobe. Wow. Yeah. And I sat down with him and I showed him our product. It was synchronizing broadcasts on, on air and on television, creating a new type of application. This was in the dot-com days, my first startup. Uh, and he was looking and he basically uh, looked at it and goes, can you make this work with Flash? Flash was their new product from Adobe, you know, Macromedia. And I said, absolutely, we can do it. We will make this work with Flash. And, he, and can you give me the money? And he goes, well, we need a lead investor like we follow. So what I learned in investing is that anybody who follows, it's it's I mean, they're not the lead. You can't close them like he goes our corporate policy. We can never lead. You need a top tier VC firm on Sand Hill Road. You're not just any investor. You need a, like a top tier firm. Like wow. So all I could do is say, can you introduce me to some? Because I had trouble getting in the door to them. And I didn't know anybody at the time. My first startup like that. And. He said, okay, well, when January, you know, the new year comes around, by that time, maybe a couple weeks after, I'll make some introductions. So I had to wait. <laughs> so I, we waited through this period, totally desperate, running wow. on view. He walks us into one of the top VC firms on Sand Hill Road, which is where all the top VC firms in the world are. And I sit down with the investor, and he actually comes to the meeting. Like, why is he coming to the meeting with me? I'm thinking, you, you know, doesn't he have better things to do as a president of this big company? Well, he wanted to see the investor's reaction because if the investor was excited, he would uh, uh, he would even if the investor didn't invest, but they were excited, he would introduce me to other investors. But if the investor found a reason that this is a bad deal, he would know to walk away. Yes. Before himself. So yes. he's smart, right? He doesn't want to put his reputation yes. with other people. So walk into this meeting. It's like all the pressure's on. You can't ask for more. So I pitched this guy, and of course I don't say we're running on fumes because last time I did that, <laughs> the results weren't so good. So I, you know, I just don't talk about our finances. I just talk about our business. You know, all the great things we have. This deal with Viacom. We have all this stuff. You know, we've developed this whole product, cutting edge product. Give the whole pitch. The investor is stone faced. 
like not can't read them at all. Oh, and no. At, yeah. At the end of the pitch, the investor goes, excuse me, I, I have to go. And he gets up and walks out. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, I look at I go, this is the end. You know, I've totally blown this. One moment. Can you cut this? Yes. I don't understand what's going on. That's okay. So you can cut that. Yes, I can. Don't worry, Steve. We're good. We're good. Why is this thing going? That is so funny. What? I don't understand. It won't let you... (laughs) This is a blooper reel. Okay, whatever. That's okay. okay, So, so he's stone faced. Go ahead. Yeah, and he walked out of the room. The investor walked out of the room. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Like, I've lost it all, right? I've lost it all. Yeah. And I'm waiting. He comes back a few minutes later, and he looks at me, and he sets down a piece of paper, and goes, "I don't want to give you five million dollars you asked for. I want to give you seven million dollars." No kidding. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I was desperate for anything. Like, and I, and, and he wanted to give it to me at the valuation I had asked those previous investors, which was a really high valuation. Yes. He goes, no, valuation, no problem. I was like, I wanted to say, run up and hug him and say yes. But I caught myself. So this is closing a deal. I knew the most important thing to me was whether I had five or seven million wasn't going to make a difference. The most important thing was that I had that money in the bank yesterday. Like I needed that money in the bank like right away, but I couldn't act desperate because when you're desperate, nobody wants to invest in you. Absolutely. And at the same time, I started to think, why is he giving me this money? And I, what did I do right here that I'd never done before in my sales pitch? Yes. And it dawned on me, ah, the president of, of, of this company that made the introduction is in the room. And during the, my pitch, I had mentioned, he's going to take me to see other investors. You are the first one. I realized that when I said that, even though he remained stone-faced, in his mind, what he was thinking was, oh, my God, this guy's going to walk out of the room, and he's going to get, he's going to get funded. By, this is a great pitch. He's going to get funded by somebody else. Like That's what he's thinking. What you need to close these deals is – this is my golden, another golden rule. The fear of losing the deal – has to be greater than their fear of losing their money. <laughs> if you can make them more afraid of losing the deal than losing their money, they will close right away on your first pitch. Like I told you, it's really rare that you get a term sheet on the first pitch, especially for a huge amount of money, like five to seven million dollars. Like they usually don't do it. But when they think you're you're about to walk out the room and somebody else will jump on this, they'll pull out the checkbook. So you I literally pull out the checkbook. So he's offering me seven million. I asked for five million. I want seven million. But what do I say? So at this point, I realized I just need that money fast, but I can't be desperate. So I say, I don't need seven million. Of course, I need seven million or want seven million. I I don't need. I only ask for five. But I will tell you what. I will take six million. We'll split the difference if you can close the deal in two weeks. Can you do that? I'll do that. (laughs) He said you do it. Because writing the lawyers, these are complex contracts, oh, right? Just yes. getting your lawyers to respond. I go, you can get your lawyers to get through this deal in two weeks. We can do it. Literally, he lived up to his word. He got the deal done in two weeks. In two weeks, we had $6 million in the bank. But, and and I, that saved our company. And, but here's the thing. First, a couple of things. One, the integrity to walk out of that first deal by when they cut the valuation in half, right? 
um, and I want everybody to really hear this, no matter where you are, what you're doing with your business, being in integrity is really important and not getting in bed with the sleazoids because you're desperate. I think took tremendous courage, Steve, because when you have bills, like you said, you were asking your employees to work for free. But if they believed in you and your vision, right, people people buy into that idea of success, but that you were the right leader and, and all of the things. And that's why they agreed, I'm sure, because you're a good guy. You're in integrity. They know you're not going to take advantage of them. Right. So you get that first, that buy in. And then, like you said, walking away, but then feeling sick to your stomach, like, what did we just do? But you get what you pay for. So, you, you know, sometimes that that penny wise dollar foolish that you are will just take what we can could have been an absolute disaster. Fast forward, you find the right investor, the right opportunity took a little bit longer. But had you now, here's the thing. Quick question for you, right? It's how my mind works. Had you taken that first investor at the lower valuation, what would that have caused you or what would you have lost because of waiting for that right match for you? You know, so you never know what you lost um, for waiting for the right match. I mean, I don't think we lost much in those. those I don't need it. Yeah. In this case. But what we would have lost if we had taken that deal was we would have had these people on our board that we never trusted. Yep. That we could never trust. How can you – these are your partners. When you take yep. money and, from somebody and they own shares and they're on your board, they actually – a lot of these deals, they can remove you from your position. Now, do you trust these people like to remove you from your own company? Do you want – even if you, they don't have the power now, as you dilute, they can gain that power like as more investors come in. So – they get more board seats and they can outvote you. Wow. So do you do you want to do you want to be in bed with part in the long run? It's disaster. I like agree. I've had bad partners before. And no matter how it, it can solve any number of short term problems, but it always ends up worse in the long term. Yeah. So if there's any lesson I learned, do business with people who have integrity, people you trust um, and walk away from deals no matter how great they seem. If there are any warning flags like I had and, you know, I looked back on the, that relationship with the investor when we had negotiated the entire deal the f and and we had, you know, gotten everything ready and they said, wait two more months. I should have known right then. So I should have basically told them right then, you don't you know, you're not ready to sign. I'm out of here. Like you guys said you were going to sign this deal. You're not ready. We don't need you. I, that was the first warning flag. And I, yep. I didn't pay attention because I didn't know I was naive at the time. But that's the learning experience too, Steve, right? And that's, you know, like I said in the onset, I don't know anything about this topic. I've never looked for any type of venture capital. So I, I've never been exposed to it. This is fascinating to learn. But that but everything you've said, I think, is true in business, right? If the deal sounds too good to be true, something's, you know, you know, in your gut, right? At that, oh, wait, two months. Had you said at that point, you know what? We know we got something good. We're going to look for other investors. You didn't have the confidence to do that because you're not the man you are now when you're right. starting out, right? So all of these experiences, and I, I so we're out of time, but I so thank you for coming on because I hope this has put a little light on the opportunities that are really out there of people, if they really have a good business that they know is going to be lucrative and make money, and if they could get in front of those investors so that 
find the synergy, find the good match, right? There's plenty of, of capital venture capitalists out there. But all of what you said, I, I think, is business basics that you just said so beautifully with the overlay of, uh, guess what? Business basics works with the venture capital world, too. And like you said, it's a very small community so that if you can be in integrity and, and be yourself, be authentic and real, even if I'm not the right investor, but I like you because you're, you're a good guy, right? I know you're a good guy. You really believe you're going to make money. I think your project's going to make money. Not my focus, but hey, you know, I have Steve down the street who's the who's perfect match for you. You get the introduction. You reap what you sow, man. I really do believe that, right? And when you're authentic and real, I just think good things find you. So um, thank you for sharing your zone of genius with us. I've learned so much. Um, Really, really appreciate our conversation. Um, Thank you, Connie. And if anybody wants to reach me, super easy to find. Just go to founderspace.com, founderspace, and you can contact me there. We also have tons of videos. We have online startup kit, all these different things for investors. We have a free uh, uh, special offer for your listeners. So they can go to founderspace.com slash 10, T-E-N or the number 10, and they can get the the 10 commandments of raising venture capital. So it's additional information that will help them out. Thank you so much. You're you're just so generous. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. And if they want to find out about my book, Surviving a Startup, just go to survivingastartup.com or go to Amazon. It's, it's everywhere. And uh, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and all the social networks. So here's the deal, everyone. And thank you. That was great, uh, Steve, for just sharing that website, founderspace.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And so you can find, you know, immediately find him. I will also put the free gift, the slash 10. So if people want to go check that out, thank you for sharing that. And I will put uh, Steve's LinkedIn profile as well. um, So you could connect there if you have specific questions. Additionally, in the show notes, everyone. Everybody, the three books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces will all be listed on there as well. And I think you sent them to me backlinked, actually, Steve. So if that's the case in the show notes, I'll maintain that. And then they could literally go. It'll take them, I think, directly to Amazon. I will double check that. If not, they will be listed in the show notes. So thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, really a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for being on. And, and, you know, I know we had to wait a little while to get on my show, but uh, so appreciate the information. And um, I loved that story. I feel like I just feel like I learned so much just from that one story. So thank you so much for sharing your resources. Always a pleasure to see you. So thanks again, Steve, for being on. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build and discover together that being heart centered and being a heart centered leader in whatever industry you're in really makes a difference. Come from that heart centered place, that authentic place. It really does make a difference. You heard from Steve uh, and his story today. Um, thanks for tuning into the Heart Centered Sales Leader uh, podcast with me, your heart centered sales leader and host Connie Whitman on WebTalkRadio.net. I truly am honored to have you all on this journey with me. And I do hope that my guests and I provide tips and strategies and resources like the books and the free resource uh, Steve shared today. I do hope it helps you on your journey of of growing and scaling your business. Um, Again, I'm honored to have you on and I'll see you all next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Sales Leader podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear Connie Whitman and her expert guests share tips, tools and strategies that can be implemented immediately. 
Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.